overall business and growth strategy and your brand as a whole should come first. So for Apple, they've decided that they want to create like really a premium product and their value proposition is all about the premium product and the experience you have. So with that as their, their value proposition and their business strategy, it would actually hurt the brand to discount. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, guys. Welcome, welcome. Today, we are going to discuss how you can increase enhance your ROI using data-driven offers. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Mary Beth Moskovas. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So excited to be here. I remember value. You know how to share valuable insights. You're so kind to share value. So I decided to invite you one more time to learn more about ROI because it's popular and many companies are asking me how to calculate ROI because uh, I still see issues when companies are chasing like volume, traffic, but it doesn't help to sell. It's better to analyze before doing something, especially if we speak about content marketing, about any marketing. It takes time to get results. You spoke two times in my podcast. Yeah, thank you a lot about that. But I have new listeners. Tell them more about you, about your background, about your experience and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mary Beth Mishkovas, um, and I have been in the world of digital analytics, marketing analytics for 10 years now. I've worked with companies such as Kayak, uh, the travel meta search um, on some pretty complex strategies and um, a lot of other brands across the board, both big and small. And now I have my own firm called Insight Lime Analytics uh, since 2020. Um, and we focus on driving the most impact through data for uh, primarily e-commerce and food and beverage companies. But we, um, you know, we, we, we work across the board with pretty much anyone who wants to get more out of their data. And the best way to stay in contact with me is either to follow me on LinkedIn. I post a lot of content there um, and give a lot of uh, free tips away and such. Um, so it's just uh, my name is a dis display here. You can find me um, or at our website, insightlimeanalytics.com. Awesome. Awesome. I follow you on LinkedIn. I know it's a button <laughs> to get new valuable insights, but can you give a strong reason for my audience to follow you? What kind of content you post? Because you mentioned you are active there. So let us know what kind of content we can learn from you. Yeah, so um, if you are a business leader or a marketer um, or any role really that has to use data to prove the business value of what you're doing or to um, you know, understand a little bit more about your performance, um, I like to break down topics around digital analytics and strategy and data strategy into ways that uh, any sort of business uh, user can understand and take some of those concepts and, and, and just kind of unpack them for you. So I'll give uh, tangible tips on like, okay, well, here's five types of analysis that you could run on your website to understand a bit more about your performance and all the way to things like uh, why data strategy is important for any business and how to implement some of those quick strategies. Um, and I link to a lot of uh, resources externally as well. Um, it's not just like the, the LinkedIn fluff. So, um, so you know, that those are some of the topics that I'll cover. Um, I really stay up to date on things like data governance and uh, 
and, and data privacy as well, so that you can be aware as a business on what's changing in the, um, in the uh, world right now. Awesome, awesome, love it, love it. That is why I'm, uh, I follow you and recommend to anyone to follow. Okay, uh, I wanna start from my uh, first question about how to calculate this ROI, because uh, I see when uh, companies miscalculate this data uh, and uh, sometimes we are willing to get more but get less sometimes we can't get anything sometimes we uh, don't see any results but it brings uh, another number uh, for example i remember i helped uh, to create a few tools and these tools uh, brought a lot of traffic and money great monetization but we didn't expect that uh, client just created these tools for uh, his business <laughs> but these tools brought uh, money as well so can you tell how to get the most accurate ROI uh, before uh, starting before doing anything new yeah do you want me to talk specifically about return on ad spend or yes. return on investment okay return on ad spend so yeah um, it's you know, it, it's not so easy as just saying, "All right, here's how much I spent," and somehow I can find I can find the final profit of that and and calculate it. Um, obviously, that's why we're here talking about it because it's a little bit more complex than that. Um, and I would say that how to calculate it depends on the size of your business as well as what you're running for advertising. Um, and one, but one thing that I always try and caution people with is that like. ROAS that you see within a platform like Google Ads is only one way to look at return on ad spend. So the way it works in Google Ads, just really quickly, if anyone um, is unfamiliar, is that you're placing the tracking on your website. So Google is following the people who come from the ad that they clicked on onto your site and you have a conversion there and it's passing information back to Google Ads. And so from that, they're calculate depending on what data you have in there, whether you have like a flat amount that is your typical average order value, or if you actually are passing the actual values of the revenue that's coming in back into Google ads, then you end up getting something where it's taking how much you spent and looking at the return on spend. However, that's like a single channel that you're looking at, which is the tricky part there because um, attribution is a little bit more complex than having a last click model. So what Google ads is doing there is either some sort of data driven or a, a last click model where they're saying, oh, the last click before a person purchased on your website was from our Google ads. So it's our money and 100% of that goes to them. And obviously there are some data driven models as well, but um, to calculate true return on ad spend, you need to think that there's a lot more that goes on than just the channels you're investing in. There's all those channels you're investing in. And below that, there's the general brand equity that you already have, people who are coming from other reasons, um, customer service, like uh, if you have like a more complex business model and you have sales coming in from like third party providers as well. Um, there's so many different pieces there that are not just your pie isn't just your different advertising channels, essentially. Um, and sorry, this is a long answer, but it's it's a it's a it's a hard question to unpack. Um, so the, the pie is bigger than just what that 100% going to Google ads. So that's like one piece of it that's more complex. And then the other part is that like ROAS by itself is just looking at the actual cost per click and adding that up for Google ads. But if you want to think about it in a little bit 
more of an unpacked way in a way that's going to tie more closely to your overall marketing efforts and like which efforts have the best payoff. You need to also consider the other costs associated with running, for example, Google ads. There's like lots of other platforms we could be talking about. You are also typically paying for an agency. You needed to hire a copywriter to write that. You needed to do the research on top of that. So you're paying for a lot more on top of that ROAS that you see in the platform. So essentially what I'm saying is that that you have to decide like how important and how granular you want to get. But I actually prefer to look at the profitability by channel as well and factor in things like team costs and creative costs. And when you do that for all your channels, even if you're just using more of a last click model, it can be really eye-opening what channel is actually driving a profit for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well explained. Uh, let me share a short story uh, from Stefan Spencer. He's well-known marketing expert. He wrote a book with Rand Fishkin. He spoke on my podcast and Rand Fishkin spoke as well. But it's interesting about this story uh, because he knows marketing and he has uh, great positions uh, I don't know, in marketing niche. But uh, he shared once uh, he lost 500k on LinkedIn ads. So uh, I think he calculated data, ROI everything looked great but he spent 500k on linkedin ads and got zero leads can you tell how to avoid such things you know, even marketing experts can lose money uh, i think uh, they know marketing they know how to do it but uh, it's life we we can uh, consider everything all possible events that can happen we can't um, uh, if everything looks good the audience, uh, propositions, our uh, products, but uh, it doesn't bring any results. So tell your methods how to minimize the risk to lose uh, 500k. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is something where like even obviously the experts can um, have something like that happen. So one humbling, um, obviously, but it, it can really happen to anyone. And this is where I, I think that a measured approach of never assuming that you have the perfect formula um, because you never really know, especially with these advertising platforms, there's a ton going on in the algorithms of how they're set up that you have no control over. I have some similar stories where um, there was uh, long-term clients that I had when I used to run paid advertising where they um, had amazing re results for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, the costs just went through the roof and the results really went down. Um, and the reason that that can happen, I mean, there's a lot of them, but one of them is that like, you never know when a huge competitor of yours is entering into the same audiences or the same keywords as you are. And that can drastically change the performance of your campaigns. So there's a lot of things out of your control. So even if you've really worked with best practices and structured the campaign properly, there's a lot of things that, um, that you need to watch for. So generally what I suggest is to start with test budgets and slowly scale. And it's like not a super like satisfying thing for some businesses that wanna grow quickly, but you can always scale quickly. But if you start instead with a thousand dollar budget or whatever can get you the amount of results you need, obviously there's a certain threshold there because like things with Google ads, you need to spend a certain amount to even like 
see and have the, the model learn, et cetera. But if you start with that bare minimum and slowly scale up and make sure that all of your tracking is in place and you're seeing the indicators that you expected, that's one thing that you can keep in mind. So you want, you can't just kind of set it and forget it, no matter how great you think the campaign is. Um, and you need to be keeping an eye on that. Like there's, what's a get a balance. You don't want to be looking every single day and being like, oh no, it's terrible. Let's turn it off right away. But, um, you can't really just take, you know, a 500 K budget and, um, just let it run and, and, you know, not necessarily, uh, keep track of what's going on there. So that's like the, the, the kind of the simple pragmatic thing to say is just like, you have to test it first and, um, yeah. slowly scale. I mean, sometimes it takes, um, once again, not super satisfying, but to like have really premier performance on some of these advertising channels, it takes, can take up to a year of starting out, scale it, A-B testing, cutting things that don't work and then scaling slowly and, and starting to find that sweet spot. And then you still always have to think about those dynamics of another big player coming in because all of a sudden your cost per clicks could go way up and it makes the performance look like it's really bad for your campaigns, but it's just because it's a marketplace essentially that you are just bidding on. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's better to uh, to set up the budget that you can lose, <laughs> not 500k. Uh, if someone can lose 500k, okay. But um, I, I'm not ready to lose such money, so I usually use small budget, I play with that. And yeah, it's better to be patient, to go step by step. Even, uh, of course, we want to get results fast, but uh, uh, it's hard to uh, analyze all factors that can impact, so it's better to go slowly. Uh, and uh, I want to ask about, you know, the main topic of our a podcast enhance ROI using data-driven offers. Can you tell more about these offers? What kind of offers, discounts, or something special benefits for our customers and how it can help to increase ROI? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because sometimes people won't necessarily think of like offers increasing return on investment or ROAS. Um, instead, it's always like just increasing sales, for example. Um, but yeah, I mean, so just to step back, like when we talk about offers, like everyone might have a different term that they use, but what we're talking about is either having, uh, seasonal sales, um, having a coupon set that you're sending to clients. Um, there's, there's a lot of different options here. Um, and you know, quick overview is that something that my firm really looks at in a lot of detail is almost any retail brand or food brand. And I mean, even SaaS products, we, um, a lot of brands discount in some way, whether it's like packaging, uh, different uh, things together and getting some sort of like savings there, or if it is really like coupon books that are being sent out. Um, and there's a few different schools of thought with, with offers. Sometimes it's meant to be something like getting rid of excess inventory. Um, sometimes it's trying to drive consumer behavior before the regular like purchasing life cycles. Um, and then, you know, also there's like trying to drive a specific behavior. And when you really are looking to try and drive return on investment, what you want to be doing with offers is finding is like that third thing, especially like driving a particular behavior. For example, if you're like a digital and a non-digital brand, bringing people into your digital because then you get such a wealth of data yourself. Like if they're not in your loyalty program, 
Um, and then you can follow and see if there's an increase in purchase frequency afterwards. So um, that's one thing. And then the other way to think about it is like the return on investment of doing an offer in general, because it just like with ad spend, there's a cost associated with discounting. And so you might be getting a lower profit margin for that original purchase that person is making. Does that pay off? Or did you just like discount your product once and it didn't encourage any additional behavior that would give you a positive return on that investment of the initial coupon? Mm -hmm. Yeah, valuable. Uh, can you tell uh, how to know uh, if uh, companies need to set up discounts? You know, let me share a short story. One uh, ex-top manager from Apple uh, became CEO of another company. And this company uh, got a lot of sales from discounts. All their customers uh usually wait for discounts to buy a lot more products and what uh, this top manager did he canceled all discounts and sales decreased a lot i don't remember exactly the number like plus 50 percent uh, a lot and that was a mistake because uh, uh, in apple this company doesn't need to set up any discounts i can't find iphone 15 for, with discounts you <laughs> know i need to pay the full price but uh in other companies it's important because customers are different products are different and can you tell how to find the balance i mean like or how to find the right decision do we need to set up discounts uh, what kind of discounts how to find this ratio or any tips about that yeah, I, I think it really, your reference to Apple is a really good example. It's entirely dependent on your business strategy. So your overall business and growth strategy and your brand as a whole should come first. So for Apple, they've decided that they want to create like really a premium product and their value proposition is all about the premium product and the experience you have. So with that as their their value proposition and their business strategy, it would actually hurt the brand to discount. So every brand or every company owner needs to reflect on that and see what best fits for their company. Um, you know, I also worked with a kind of like mid-tier jewelry company that made a decision. They used to have some discounting, like they would have sale items um, and they would run sales occasionally. And like while I was there, they made the, um, the decision to stop doing that and to kind of hide even the sale, the, like the discount item section. So it wasn't like a prominent part of the um, e-commerce website because that aligned with their strategy and positioning of wanting to one, not teach consumers to expect discounts and two, to position themselves as a little bit more of a premium brand. So I think it's really, it, it comes down to like what makes sense for your brand first and making sure that any sort of efforts you do are aligning with that. Because a lot of times, discounting, it's almost like the other way around. Like, instead of thinking like, do I need to start discounting? A lot of brands need to stop discounting when they are or be careful and like change their strategy slightly because discounting should be done in a way where it provides value for your customers, encourages the behavior you want, but does not detriment one, your either your brand or like your ability to sell at full price, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if we speak about Apple customers, uh, they usually have no choice. You know, I mean, if you love Apple, <laughs> you can't buy Samsung or any other uh, great gadgets because uh, we love 
iOS, we don't need Android. And I know for myself, I use almost all my gadgets are Apple, uh, Apple Watch, iPhone, uh, MacBook. Yeah, um, if you addictive with Apple, <laughs> discounts can help, you know. <laughs> okay, uh, I wanna ask about personalization. I often get this question because uh, if we don't personalize our marketing message, it's hard to get results. And many years ago, I ignored personalization, but I paid for click like five, 10 cents. Today, it's a must have. So tell how to personalize our offer or discounts uh, to customers. Yeah, this is one of my favorite topics. And like, this is like actually where offers can make a major difference for your brand is personalizing them. Mm -hmm. Like it gone are the days where you send out a booklet to everyone in your target area and have that discount to go to everyone. Um, there's definitely cu customers within your, within your product that you shouldn't be, uh, extending coupons to. And there's others where you definitely could, this is where it like can put someone over the edge if they're unsure about purchasing and you want to capture that, that sale sooner. Um, that's where personalization comes in. So like, there's a few different areas. Like my favorite is actually to consider offer suppression as a form of personalization. So, um, if you have like somebody who in your data, which you can, you can build these models and predict who is going to purchase anyways, without that offer, then you may want to suppress an offer so that you can extend the average order value for that consumer. Cause you know, they're going to come anyways. And instead consider other things that you could do to provide value. So that's where also like a lot of times people are like, why do you talk about um, loyalty programs at the same time as you talk mm -hmm. about offers? Because they kind of go hand in hand. So it's really like, what do you do to make that, um, that consumer still feel special um, if they're not receiving an offer? Um, and then on the other hand, segmenting offers to be more individual to the person can, in, 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 and by person, I mean like the group, you really don't need to know that it's Joe from Chicago to do this offer. You just need to know that that person that you're targeting, um, you know, has a special affinity if we, for rings. If you're like a jewelry company, then you don't want to send them an offer to, for necklaces. So the personalization of the offer itself on top of deciding whether you want to or not want to, um, to, to discount to that customer is to give them something that actually will provide them value and start to segment um, what you're offering there. So, um, you know, same thing. It's really important in like the food and beverage industry, uh, fast casual, you would want to, if possible, only provide them discounts. If you know there's someone who's only going to ever purchase chicken, you don't want to send them a beef um, offer because unless you're trying to encourage like a, a new behavior in that customer, which is another form of personalization. Um, so that's where you tie in any sort of like there's both the personalization of rewards and like what content you're showing on the site. But if you're also tying that into offers, you can get more return on investment because you're going to one, get redemptions from the people who you actually want to redeem um, Two, the redemption rate will be higher for those offers. And hopefully this is something that we like to do at our firm and follow longer term because they redeemed something that you know that they would like that person will come back again in like a, in a higher frequency or come back and purchase something else at a higher average order value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, can you tell how to calculate this data uh, for companies that sell plus thousand items? You know, if, if we speak about Apple, iPhone, 
MacBook, AirPod, probably, yeah, uh, Apple has uh, some items, but less than 100, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what about brands that can sell a lot of items? How to calculate all this ROI and personalize to each item? Yeah, um, so there's, as, uh, hopefully, and we're going to use the example and just assume that this company sells a lot of items and has the data behind it to, mm-hmm. you know, if they're selling a thousand items, hopefully they, they have some data. Um, the first one is to do behavioral clustering on your um, on your audience. So what behavioral clustering is, is looking at things like past purchases, browsing history, preferences within those past purchases, like what is the cart combination? Um, and then you use statistical clustering to identify behavioral groups. And in those behavioral groups, you're going to identify things like specific product preferences or like discounting preferences, whether they're part of your loyalty program, et cetera. Um, And you'll use those groups as a way to customize offers. So that's like one portion of how you're going to do things. Um, And then at scale, when you're trying to deliver those offers, obviously part of it's a marketing tech conversation. So you need to have a tool that's capable of doing those sorts of things. And like either creating um, offers that are data-driven in the moment, if that's what you want to do, um, or also just serving those offers to people. So there's like that marketing tech aspect of it. But if you're segmenting the group, you do it on a data-driven, like a big data perspective. It's not necessarily like you're going to sit down and be like, okay, you know, item number one out of a thousand has this that will um, customize. You really want to also think about which of those products you do want to discount. Um, another way to to add that in and build in that whole strategy is to look at the profit margins across the board. So like partner with finance, actually. So like marketing and finance are sitting right down and finance letting you know, you know, there, if, if you have a lot of products, especially there's some that have a project product project or a mar- margin that is good and others that it's maybe not so much because it's like a lead lead in product or something like that. Um, so that you know which ones would be safe for you to discount um, and discuss that strategy as a whole. Um, and then use test it is essentially what you want to do as well. Cause you're going to not necessarily, you'll have a good idea and you'll be able to see like, what are some common things that are upsold or cross sold to together. So like, if you look at someone's cart and they buy these two items and almost all, like 60% of the time, if they buy those two, they may buy this third item. That could be a good one for you to use as a coupon or an offer, like to, to say, Hey, buy this thing as well. Um, but then you're going to need to test it. So you'll, you'll, you'll put into place either not having an offer for that same kind of segment and, and putting that in or, or running two different offers next to each other and, and start to build in those learnings. And over time, then you would have, um, a more and more optimized set of offers that you would be running, which you would always be looking back at the business strategy to make sure that made sense. Are we discounting too much? Is this the right amount of offers? Should we only do offers at certain times of year, et cetera, are conversations you'll never like stop having as a business. And the more people that are involved in that, that are like senior leadership, the better. So like actually hearing what finance has to say and what um, the data team has to say about what they're seeing with these offers helps color that conversation to be more productive. Yeah, nice, believable. I think if you discount so much, you can uh, expect that your customers will wait for <laughs> discounts, you know, next time and don't buy anything. Uh, I wanna ask about tools. Uh, you mentioned many things what you can do, but we need to 
mix manual job and tools so let us know what kind of tools do you use what tools must have today you know for calculating row any tips about that yeah um i think you need smart people um the tools yeah, that you need uh are more flexible um you know i think that that's one thing where i will i will don't worry i will tell <laughs> i'll say what kinds of tools are good but i would really emphasize before that that like um if smart, you, tool, smart tools are, are people you know it's yeah, the best tool. yeah exactly so i mean you could not necessarily have remain if you just have you need a digital analytics tool to do a lot of this so that's just one call out i'll say um it, you need something that can capture like a customer or user id the general behavioral metrics on the website the coupon code um per order information etc like that is a must-have um and there's lots of them out there i think in our last our last podcast we mentioned some of them you know there's um Adobe and Google Analytics as some of the big players, but there's also some smaller players now that are a little more privacy centric. Um, that's kind of a must have in all of this is that you need a way to capture that user ID um, and, and something that can follow those purchasing behaviors that can tie into revenue, product, SKUs, et cetera. Um, and from there, if you just have that and you have accurate enough tracking to, to be appropriate there, you can do a lot of that, like the clustering that I said and, and such, as long as you're, um, you have analysts that have access to that raw data. And then when you get into more advanced, like coupon delivery, the stack gets more complex. And there's some tools that do these things in combination. So it's not necessarily you need each of these, but you'll need some sort of personalization and A-B testing tool or to build your own, whatever you want that can serve different variants and like segment your audience and change what's being shown on your website or in your advertising to those people. Um, and then I mentioned loyalty. Um, sometimes loyalty and like couponing platforms come hand in hand. Once again, not always. And it really depends on the industry, which ones I would recommend um, or which ones to test. I don't have like one each, like even with those analytics tools, I don't necessarily have one that I think is better than the other. It depends on the company. Um, but those are like some of the things that you would need. And then there's a lot of internal um, kind of management that may turn into a tool or may just be something that you need to have um, set up in an organized way, which is like an organized way to see the product SKUs, which is like the product IDs and a way to create coupon codes for those ones and a way to discount that runs through the entire system, including like purchase, um, like your point of sale. Um, and those I think are like the big, big buckets, obviously. Uh, like I said, with you can do a lot of this without the tools themselves. Um, there's some that are harder than others to do like completely manually. Um, like, you know, you could just necessarily like develop your own loyalty program from scratch, but it's kind of like why bother? Cause there's a lot of um, really good loyalty program tools out there. So I think that's most of the stack. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. And then when it comes to the return on investment, um, there aren't a lot of tools out there. So if anyone in like the like in the comments or something calls them out, but there aren't a lot out there that do exactly what I'm talking about. Usually that's something where you're pooling data from all of these different places to create that calculation. Um, it once again depends exactly on what we're talking about because we talked a little bit about ROAS like on at return on ad spend and then we've talked a little bit about on the offers themselves but generally that's something where you're going to need to pool multiple data sources so 
you could pull multiple data sources in an Excel sheet if you wanted to, um, or you could do it in a more advanced way. You could put it into a data lake that you'd constructed and put a BI tool on top. Like there's, there are things that you can do to make it a little fancier, but sometimes the most effective things you can do is, you know, pull add together. If we go back to the Russ example, the ad spend that you're seeing in Google ads, those additional costs that I mentioned, and then the revenue based on your attribution model, preferably, um, together to take a look at like those profits next to each other. But that's not something where you can usually get a one-stop shop for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, once I spoke with a client, uh, I usually help, uh, this client to get organic reach, but, uh, he cooperates with one company that, um, provides AI tools to, uh, check prices daily on Amazon because he sells plus a uh, thousand items and what AI tool can do uh, just to change prices uh, according to data, competition, customer preferences, uh, trending, complex calculation, but AI uh, could help to increase results plus 30%. Good money, you know, because um, many factors can impact in specific day uh, and if you uh, check and calculate manually it's impossible you know to do it with thousand items but ai can do can you tell uh, probably if you know other examples that ai can calculate such data and can help to increase roy yeah i mean actually if we want to tie together the two topics um one that i've seen a lot and i've seen a few providers when i've been out at conferences recently is actually in offers so there's quite a few tools now that can use your behavioral data on the site and how someone's interacting with the site to make a, a guess about what offer would be best to give to that person. So it almost does that offer suppression and like um, and, and delivery for you based on like like a data driven model of what, what they think like, OK, this person is most likely to leave the website, and not make a purchase. Um, so. And, I, and they're also someone who's most likely to purchase with an offer if I deliver one. So that is one way to really like get to another level with the way that you're, um, you're, you're structuring your offers. So that's one that I've seen. I mean, I, I think that um, there even before like the term AI was coming around and it was really fancy, there were dynamic tools that essentially are what we're calling AI now, even six, seven, eight years ago that were dy dynamically changing your bids on paid advertising to try and optimize for um, whatever target you had set. So that's another example. I mean, almost anything that you can dream of now, there is a tool that does that. Um, but those are like two, two ones, like where you're optimizing your ad spend is always a way to improve uh, return on ad spend. Um, and then, you know, on the offer side, there's a lot of interesting tools now that are like looking at in the flow behavioral information about how someone's browsing on your site, which doesn't necessarily need um, a lot of other data inputs aside from like what you want to discount on and what you don't that can um, kind of automatically do those. And, you know, once again, I'm just, I, I want to like preface and saying like, sometimes you can get a huge return on investment on that. Um, and sometimes you can't um, definitely areas like this are a good one where if you already have a good base, and you are already doing as much as you possibly think you can, adding that tool on top can give you some incremental improvement. Uh, and 
But if you haven't tested any of that offer strategy stuff yet, and you just throw that tool in there, and you don't necessarily know which offers you should be feeding into the the tool, you might not get as much out of it from the get go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, valuable. Love it. Love it. Uh, uh, I want to ask about one niche uh, accounting. It's uh, a, a big niche in the US in many other countries. Uh, my brothers uh, work in this niche. And um, I spoke many times about AI and uh, they replied to me that nobody uses AI probably today, but it's not popular to use AI in accounting. Uh, but uh, AI can help calculate data. For example, we use AI to calculate uh, prices of Bitcoin for some investing trading websites. It works well. We get great results to um, share this data uh i i think in marketing everyone uses ai today i don't know any marketing expert or specialist who can ignore ai but according to some data 25 percent of all occupations in the us use ai 75 percent still ignore it, it's a lot uh, and uh, one example about accounting can you tell uh, your thoughts about that why uh many specialists who use mathematics excel still still ignore ai yeah from your vision <laughs> yeah um no it's an, it's an interesting question i mean i think i can speak a bit to the marketer part of it which is yeah. that um digital marketing or marketing as a whole has like had so much change in the field that i think that um introducing new technologies is a lot more comfortable so, I mean, even just 10 years ago, if you think about how much um, digital marketing has changed, there's been new tools introduced, there's been new methodologies, like the way that we track things has changed over time. I mean, it's changing right now. Um, and so I think that that need to change and that also that focus on hyper like optimization and like tying results directly to efforts is something that it may, makes it really easy for, for digital marketers to leap on a new trend. Um, it's just like essentially like a creative part of the industry. And then, you know, there's other um, areas where even though people are, um, you know, data focused in their roles, um, there's less um, like kind of like cultural comfort with like adoption of new things. I mean, there's a lot of accounting uh, companies, especially in the, U the U.S. is, you know, as you probably know, like they, you know, people still write checks and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and got made fun of when I lived in Europe and I had a checkbook. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, it, the adoption has to do a little bit less with like the fact that those people could grasp the concept of, you know, um, natural language processing and things like that. And more with like, they have particular ways that they've done things for a long time and haven't had a lot of disruption in their field, but, you know, I think it, there are a lot of really interesting implications for AI outside of marketing. Like we talk about marketing as one of the main focuses because we're so so obsessed with like hyper optimizing it. But um, I think there's a lot of other, you know, supply chain, um, et cetera, that like could be really interesting and are, you know, there are, some of them are really adopting AI. But you're right. There's certainly some fields that um, haven't needed to really evolve much in the last few years. And We'll see how that changes depending on what tools are adopted um, by some companies. So. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And 
I have my final question. Um, I asked you before about uh, how to learn from scratch. I asked about the future, but today I want to ask only about one tip, just one tip from all insights that you share today. Give one tip that all companies, people need to do uh, with uh, enhancing ROI. <laughs> Ooh, mm, okay. Well, give me a second to think about what I want to yeah, say. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, I can cut this second, you know. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, waited, left the best for last. You know, I think this might not be what you would expect me to say as someone who's like a data person and really likes to do the analysis, but um, tying whatever you're doing back to the big business strategy. Think about that every single time you make a decision on advertising that you're doing on whether you're going to provide a discount or not, like always think about how you're tying that back and whether it really makes sense for the goals that you've set as a company for that year, the future. That's really, I think, the one recommendation that I would make. And that's the same for this AI, like should I adopt AI tools? Looking at the overall business strategy and having that thought experiment of like, hmm, okay, if I applied this, does this match up with who I am as a business? Um, is really my my one tip, which is um, so, I mean, even if you just put it on your desk in a sticky note of just like, what is the business strategy and like, think through it that way. That's, that's really my main recommendation. All these other things are great too, but um, that's one that can apply to any business. Yeah, a great tip. Uh, I remember one data that uh, most companies still have no documented uh, business strategy. So uh, they have some goals, but have no documented. And of course, it's important to document, even if you change your mind, even uh, something happens, you know, it's better to uh, to write down uh, all uh, things that you are going to achieve, then you can get much better results. Uh, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. I love this experience. You're so kind to share this valuable insights. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. I always have so much fun. So um, just as a reminder in the beginning, like um, Mary Beth Mishkovis on LinkedIn is a great way to contact me. You can just message me there. I manage that myself. I'm always happy to answer any questions. Um, if you're interested in what we do as a company a bit more, insightlineanalytics.com is our website. And also if you just want to email me and ask a question, it's marybeth at insightlimeanalytics.com is my email address. So. Awesome, awesome. Guys, you can find all the links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for the time. Love it. So valuable, guys. You need to follow Marybeth on LinkedIn uh, because you can see a lot of value. You can become much better marketer. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.